It was an interesting week in the world of golf this year. One of the greatest golfers returned to the tournament. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Tiger Woods. Any Tiger fans in the house this morning? Any Tiger fans? There's, there's a few of you out there. There's a few of you out there. It's, it's, it's a little interesting. It's a little, it's, it's kind of hard to be a Tiger fan, uh, this year. You know, you can't deny that he's probably one of the go- greatest golfers that's ever played the game. I mean, when I talk to golfers, I mean, they just, they look at Tiger, they, he's just a machine. I mean, he's just a phenomenal golfer. Uh, just to rattle off some of his accomplishments in his short career, he's had 71, he's won 71 PGA Tour, tour events. He's uh, 16 World Golf Championships, 14 major golf championships. He's been the player of the year 10 different times. He's been recently declared the athlete of the decade. I mean, he is one of the greatest golfers that's ever played the game. And the golfing friends that I know, they, they talk about Tiger and his swing and how in Back in 94 when he won the Masters at the top of his game, he then redid his swing. And they said that was just amazing. Most guys do that kind of at the bottom of their game. But he did at the top and he just gets better and better. And he's one of the So you can't deny his skills. But then you just know the rest of the story. And how earlier this year, back in February, he admitted to multiple extramarital relationships. And, and he fell deeply into sin. And, and, and to add insult to injury, I mean, he was a guy that was sort of idolized as a guy that, you know, didn't go there. He was a man of character and integrity. And that's why his fall was just so far, because people looked up to him. And so it's an interesting time in the world of golf. It's an interesting time for the fans of Tiger Woods. On the one hand, you can't deny his accomplishments and his success. But on the other hand, you can't deny his, his failures morally. And, and it's a little bit challenging. But what, but when I hear the story of Tiger Woods, and I've been watching the story of Tiger Woods, two sort of lessons, two sort of nuggets stick out to me, particularly as it relates to temptation, our series for this next few weeks. And the first sort of lesson that I learned from the life of Tiger Woods is simply this, that temptation is universal. That we all face temptation all the time, everywhere. That no one is beyond temptation. I mean, you think about Tiger Woods. I mean, worldly standards, he had it all. I mean, he had multi-million, he's got multi-million dollars. I mean, he's got tremendous talent as an athlete. I mean, he's got a, a beautiful wife and family. I mean, he's got it all in the world standards. And yet even he, even though he has it all, fell. Temptation. He wanted something that wasn't his. And he fell. And even in his own apology that he gave back in February, he says, you know, I thought I was entitled to these things. I, I, I thought I was beyond the rules. And he fell. Temptation. And, and, and sort of the second little lesson, the second little nugget that I see from the life of, of Tiger Woods is simply that there's so much more at stake when it comes to temptation. That there's no such thing as a secret sin. That there's a ripple effect with every temptation that we fall into. For Tiger, it meant 45, or 45 years, 45 days in a treatment center. Uh, for Tiger, it, it meant losing multiple endorsements from the companies, the businesses that he had partnerships with. Uh, for Tiger, it meant uh, an estranged relationship with his wife and his family. He's quoted as saying that he missed his son's first birthday and that he's going to regret that 
for the rest of his life, there are huge consequences for falling to temptations. There was a study done by UC Davis, and UC Davis looked at the economics of, of Tiger's extramarital affairs, and he says it costed an estimated cost shareholders between five and twelve billion dollars as a result of Tiger's wrongdoings. See, there's no such thing as a secret sin. There's always a ripple effect for falling to temptation. There's always more at stake than meets the eye. Because in the moment, it's just a little flirt. In the moment, it's just a little phone call. In the moment, it's just so innocent. It just feels so right. In the moment, it's easy. Everybody's doing it. But in reality, there are huge implications for falling to temptation and falling into sin. And that's why I want to do this series on temptation. Because we all face it all the time. Temptation is universal and there are enormous implications for it. There's always more at stake than meets the eye. Last week, during our announcements, I asked some of you to write down some of the temptations that you face. To just write them down. You're free to do that this week, to write down some of the challenges that you face so that we might be able to talk about them here at church. And I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate your willingness to let me in and us in on some of the temptations that you face. I just want to rattle off a few of you. A few of them. Some of you wrote that you face sexual temptations. That you wrote down things like lust and pornography and affairs. Others of you wrote down anger outbursts. That you have a problem with your tongue and anger. A few of you wrote down greed. Some of you wrote down that you, you, that you talk about others so you feel good about yourself and gossip. Some of you wrote down that you're tempted by food or alcohol or chocolate. Some of you wrote down uh, laziness and apathy. It's not just what you're doing, it's what you're not doing that you're tempted by. See, these are the temptations that we face here at this church. These are the temptations that I face. These are my temptations. I mean, I struggle with money or with greed or, or with trying to puff myself up or with sexual temptations. But this isn't just you. This is us. This is our temptations. These are the struggles that we face. And in the moment, they look so small. They look so insignificant. But we all know that there are huge implications for falling to the temptations that we face. So here's what we want to do over the next few weeks. Here's the one little nugget. Here's the one truth. Here's the one skill or habit that I'd like us to engage in over the next few weeks. And it's simply this. What if we could pause in the moment of our temptations? What if we could pause in the moment of temptations and consider what's at stake? What are the implications for falling into this temptation? What's at stake? See, that's the question. That's what we want to do. Because in the moment of temptation, it's just between you and the computer screen. It's just between you and this conversation and this one word. It's just this little white lie. It's just this little trip to the shopping mall. It's just this little itty-bitty thing. But what if we could engage and enlarge that picture and, and, and pause and ask ourselves, is it really worth it? What are the implications for these actions? And what's at stake? Now, research scientists use what's called a microscope, maybe you have used one, to magnify something that's small. And that's what we want to do over the next few weeks. We want to take a microscope to the temptations that we face and magnify them. 
so we can look at the inner working, so we can see what's behind the scenes, so we can understand these temptations that we face so that we can get some traction over overcoming the temptations that we face. So that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. We're going to pause and we're going to ask ourselves, is it really worth it? And we're going to, we're going to say, well, what's at stake so that we can build traction in the temptations that we face. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Matthew chapter 3. It's page 957 in your pew Bible. The words will also be on the screen, but we want to look at a story about a man that faced some tremendous temptations. A man that faced tremendous temptations and he also overcame the temptations that he faced. His name is Jesus. And if there's anyone that we can learn from as it relates to resisting temptation, it's Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, please open them up to Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. And we read this. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning on him. I mean, this was a beautiful moment in the spiritual journey of our Lord Jesus. He was baptized. He went up out of the water. Heaven opened. The Spirit of God descended like a dove and lightning. I mean, this was a powerful, personal encounter with His Heavenly Father. And that's what we hope to experience every time someone's baptized here in our church. That it's this powerful, personal experience with God and for our whole faith community. That we would experience God together. And that's what Jesus experienced at baptism. And in verse, six, or verse 17, it says this, And then a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. This is my boy. This is my Son, and I love Him. God showed His approval of Jesus. And if you'll notice, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. I mean, Jesus did nothing to deserve His Father's love. There's no miracles, there's no sermons, there's no conversations with adulterers or tax collectors. There's nothing. Jesus did nothing to deserve his father's love. His dad just said, this is my boy. This is my son. I love him and I'm pleased with him. I love him. I'm pleased with him. You belong to me. See, that's what God wants to say to each one of us. You're my son. You're my daughter. Regardless of what you do or what you don't do, I just want you to know that I love you. I'm pleased with you. That you belong to me. See, over the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to press into this identity that Jesus has in Christ. See, in God. See, his worth and value didn't come from what he did or what he didn't do. His worth came from who he was or whose he was. That he belonged to God. That God was his heavenly father. And that God loved him. And we're going to get to that a little bit later. But I just want you to hear these words that Jesus heard. This is my son. Whom I love. In him. I am well pleased. Because in the very next verse. Something odd happens. Something a little bit strange. Something a little bit out of the ordinary. And even unexpected. In chapter 4 verse 1. We read this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Jesus probably questioned, wait a second, Dad, did I do something wrong? And his heavenly Father says, no, son, I love you. 
Jesus is probably thinking, wait a second, Dad, you know, did I do something to offend you? And his dad is saying, no, son, I'm very pleased with you. Jesus is thinking, wait a second, Dad, where are you taking me? I mean, where are you going? And his heavenly father is saying, hey, hey, I'm taking you to the desert for 40 days to be tempted by the greatest tempter on the planet. And I'm going to leave you there alone. And, and, and that's what I have for you. See, sometimes we think that if God loves us, we won't be tempted. Sometimes we think that if it's God's will, then it won't be difficult. Sometimes we believe that if the Spirit is leading us, then doors will just open up, and that's an indicator of God's will for our lives. Sometimes we think that life is supposed to be safe. And we believe this lie that the safest place to be is the center of God's will. But if you look at the life of Jesus, he faced tremendous challenges. He faced tremendous difficulties. He says following the Spirit of God is like a battle with the devil. See, just because you face temptations in your life right now, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. In fact, it could mean just the opposite. That God loves you, that he cares about you, and that he's going to walk with you through the temptations that you face in your life today. Just because you face temptations doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It could mean just the opposite. Verse 2. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, See, here's where it gets a little bit scary. I mean, here's where we, we, we take our microscope and we magnify this image called temptation. I mean, here's where we see the author of temptation, the devil, the father of lies. And if we were magnify the, the moment of temptation that looks so small, that looks so insignificant, that looks so benign, we would see that the devil's behind the temptations that we face. It's not that the devil made me do it. It's just that the devil is behind the temptations that we face, that there's a spiritual component to the everyday temptations that you face, that I face in my life, that the devil is behind the temptations that we face. And resisting temptation is not just a matter of the will, but it's a spiritual battle. Resisting temptation is not just a battle of the will, but it's a spiritual battle because the devil is behind. The devil is the tempter. He's behind the temptations that we face because in the moment, it's just a little click. In the moment, it's just, it's just a little going to the shopping mall. In the moment, it's just a little white lie or a little word about somebody else. But there's a tempter, a spiritual component behind the temptations that we face. And when we pause and when we magnify the temptations, we see there's a spiritual component. The devil's behind the temptations that we face and we see that God allows us to experience the temptations that we face. See, there's so much more that than meets the eye. When you look at temptations, there's so much more behind the scenes. It's so much more than a glance or a click or a white lie or a trip to the mall. There's so much more than meets the eye when it comes to temptation. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at these temptations that Jesus faced. Over the next few weeks, we're going to, we're going to drill down into each one of the temptations that Jesus faced. But some of you know the temptations, right? I mean, some of you know the temptations that Jesus faced. Some of you know that Jesus was tempted to turn a stone into bread. Seems a little bit small, a little bit benign. But some of you also know that Jesus was tempted to jump off the temple and wow the crowds. 
And, and most of us know some of these temptations that Jesus faced. But, but do you know, does anyone know what would have happened if Jesus fell into the temptations that he faced? Does anyone know of the implications if Jesus would have turned stone into bread or jumped off the temple? Does anyone have any idea what would have happened if Jesus would have fell into temptations? Well, he would have sinned. And he would no longer have been sinless. And we all needed a sinless sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sin. So if Jesus would have turned a little stone into bread, we would have been paying the penalty for our sin, eternal separation from God. See, the ripple effect of Jesus, if he would have sinned, would have been that all of humanity for all of time would have been eternally separated from God. See, there's so much more at stake. And the temptations that we face. There's always a ripple effect. There's always more at stake than meets the eye. In the moment it looks so small. It looks so insignificant. It's just a little deal. It's just a little lie. It's just a little word. But if we were to magnify that. We would see that there are huge implications. For the temptations that we face. So what if we paused? What if we learned this skill? What if we developed this habit? What if we were able, in the midst of our temptations that we face every day in our life, if we just paused and considered the implications and asked ourselves, what's at stake? And is this worth it? That's what we want to do. That's what we want to do on the next reading. That's what we want to do this morning. We want to pause and ask the question, is it worth it? What's it like? Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that with the temptations that you face? Have you ever paused and asked yourself the question, what's at stake if I fall to this temptation? It's a fascinating question. It's an excellent question. And by answering that question, we can gain traction in resisting the temptations that we face. So what's at stake? What are the implications? What are the implications for our actions? What's at stake when we fall to temptation? Well, I'm going to have you answer that question a little bit later on, but I just want to get us started in answering that question. What's at stake when we face temptations? Well, the first thing that comes to mind when I think about the temptations that we face and what's at stake, it's my family. It's your family. It's the people that you love. That's what's at stake when it comes to temptation. It's your family. It's the people that look up to you. It's the people that you parent. It's, it's, it's your children. And it's your children's children. You remember when we did the rules series, we looked at the Ten Commandments, and we looked at commandment number two. And one of the consequences of falling to temptation number two or breaking commandment number two was, was uh, punishment. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, we read this, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generations. See, there's no such thing as a secret sin. There's a ripple effect. And our families, the people we love the most, are directly affected by the mistakes, by the sins, by the temptations that we fall to. It's the family. It's the people that we love. It's the children. I remember when Tiger was given his apology speech. He said, I had no idea that the impact that it would have on my children and my family. It was just me. But there's this ripple effect. That's what's at stake. It's our family. That's a sake. And some of you know this personally. 
Some of you experience the ripple effect of your parents' sin or your great-grandparents or your parents' grandparents' sin. And maybe your, maybe your father was, 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 couldn't handle alcohol. Or, or maybe your, your mother was flirtatious and, and they fell to a temptation. And you have felt the consequences of the sins of your family or your generations ahead of you. Because that's just the way it works. The temptation is never an isolated event. There's always a ripple effect. There's no such thing as a secret sin. But there, there's more at stake than just our family. Our future is at stake when we fall to temptation. We risk our future in the face of temptation. That's why parents sometimes overreact when they see their children doing something inappropriate or wrong. I know when... when Christine and I are talking about our children. Sometimes we'll notice something, you know, some character flaw in, in, in our son or in our daughters. And, and then we'll have this conversation. So if, if we don't deal with this now, you know, he's going to grow up and do this or she's going to do this. And then this is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. And then, you know, maybe they're going to end up in jail and, and we're not going to have any grandchildren. You know, we don't, we don't quite go that far, but we all see it. In our children, we say, if they don't correct this behavior, it's going to grow, it's going to do this, and you're going to do this, because it's their future that's at stake. It's the future of our children that's at stake. It's, it's, it's this truth that delayed gratification builds character. And that if we can delay gratification in these early years, they're going to develop character and able to, to, to respond to some of the temptations that they face later on in life. One of the joys that I have is doing premarital counseling, helping people get ready for marriage. And, uh, you know, there's always sexual temptation in every premarital counseling session. And I tell them, you know, it really has nothing to do with sex. I mean, sex is great. You're going to have plenty of it. But right now, in this premarital moment, it's about character. It's about delayed gratification, building character in your marriage. So when you face greater temptations and greater challenges, you'll have the strength to overcome it. So that's what this is about. That's what... Delaying or resisting temptation now will benefit you in the future. In college, I had a friend. He was a, he was a leader in our school, a Christian school. He was an RA, a spiritual leader. And he had a dream to work as a minister. And, and yet he had this sin, this secret sin in his life, this temptation that he fell to way too often. And we didn't know about it till later in life. But during college, he would, he would make those phone calls, those 1-900 numbers, these sex phone calls. And that wasn't enough, so then he went on and, and, and did stuff on the internet. And that wasn't enough, so then he went into different clubs. And that wasn't enough, and then he led to more and more and more until his wife saw the bills and ended up divorcing him. And it cost him his marriage, much, way too much money in debt, and his future. He never was able to get into ministry because of this sin, his future was at stake because of the temptations that he fell into. Those of you who are young, those of you that are in high school, those of you that are just about to get to college, your future is at stake. It's not just a little click. It's not just a little white lie. It's not just a little beer. It's not just a little smoke. It's not just having sex. There are huge implications for the decisions that we make today. So what if we could pause? What if we could pause in the moment of temptation and think about the implication? And think about the possibilities. Think about what's at stake with the temptations that we face. And those of you that are old, those of you that might have, your, your best years may be behind you. You face choices every day. It's not your future that's at stake. It's your legacy. 
It's what you're going to leave behind. It's what people are going to say about you once you move on to the next life. It's your legacy that's at stake. You know, when when Tiger Woods dies and and goes wherever he goes, you know, one of the things they're going to say about him is he was a great golfer, but the other things they're going to say is that he fell horribly to temptation. His legacy is at stake. And most of us are somewhere in between. We're not young looking at a bright side. We're not old just looking, you know, for our our final. Most of us are in the middle. And it's our future and it's our legacy that's at stake. So we all must learn to pause and consider the implication. Consider what's at stake if we were fall to this temptation. Because two very obvious things that are at stake is our family and our future. That's what I want to pause. Because in the moment, it looks so benign. In the moment, it feels so right. In the moment, it feels so good. It's just a click. No one's going to know. Everybody's doing it. But there are huge implications for the decisions that we make. There's so much more at stake than meets the eye. And that's why I want to learn to pause. And the way that I like to engage us in this exercise of pause and consider the implications is to have each of you just think of one temptation that you face. Just think of one temptation, one of the big ones, one of the things that always get to you. One one thing, just one temptation, maybe it's lust or greed or I don't know what it is. But just think of your one temptation that you face. You got that? You got that one temptation? Okay, now I want you to share it to the person next to you. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Please don't do that. I just want you to have that in your mind, okay, just for a minute. Just have that temptation in your mind. And then ask yourself the question, what's at stake? What are the implications if I fall to this temptation? What are the consequences for my actions? just want you to pause and consider what's at stake. You don't have to write that down now, but sometime today or this week, what I'd like you to do is just write down that one temptation, just one, And then write down what's at stake. What are the consequences if I fall to this temptation? I did this a number of months ago. I wrote down a temptation that I was struggling with. And I wrote down the implications for my behaviors or for my actions. If I were to follow this sin, this is what's going to happen. And I wrote down one, two, three, four. I wrote down about 12 possible implications for falling to that temptation. You know what I do? I wrote down in my journal. I go back to my journal and I read that. Every once in a while when I face the temptation. And you know what happens? I gain traction in resisting that temptation. And sometimes I even speak it out loud. Uh, I I just want to say it out loud so maybe that I can hear it or maybe to engage in the spiritual battle. I just speak it out loud and I say, you know, I'm not going to fall to this temptation because I know that this is what's at stake. And I I don't want to do that. It's not worth it. So sometime this week, maybe today, Write down your temptation and write down what's at stake. And if you do that, you will find traction. Traction in overcoming the temptations that you face. We pause and consider the implications for our choices because there's so much more at stake. In the moment, it feels so good. It feels so right. Everybody's doing it. It's just a little white lie. It's just a little click, but... There's so much more at stake. There are huge implications. So let's pause and consider what's at stake every, every time we face temptation. That's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. 
That's what we want to experience over the next few weeks. This skill, this ability to overcome the temptations that we face. You know, last week we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus, right? This wonderful celebration of the risen Christ. And we celebrated that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. He rose from the grave. You know, after the worship service last week, we had a little family dinner, a little Easter dinner. And uh, at, at dinner, uh, we, we were all sitting down with family and an extended family. And my father-in-law wanted to talk about the resurrection. And he said, okay, kids, just listen up. I want to talk about the resurrection, how Jesus rose from the grave. And my four-year-old daughter jumped up on her seat and, and she interrupted her grandfather and said, I've heard this already, Grandpa. I know that. And we all chuckled and laughed and says, yeah, that's true. You've heard that story before. You know, we've all heard that story before. We've all heard that Jesus died and rose from the grave. He paid the penalty for our sin. But you know what he also did? His death and resurrection gave us power over sin. He gives us power to overcome the temptations that we face. And when we pause, and we consider the implications for our actions, and when we pause and invite Jesus into the the temptations that we face, we have a much better chance of overcoming them. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, and the life that he lived and the example that he is to us in overcoming the temptations that we face because we know he faced every temptation that we face and he resisted it. May we learn from him. May we pause this week and consider the implications for our actions. May we pause and allow the Spirit of Jesus to enable us to resist the temptations that we face so that we can walk in the light of your love and walk in integrity and character. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And may you pause to consider the implications of your temptations and overcome them. In Jesus' name, amen.